What does Judaism say about the disparity between the wealthy and the poor? Please understand that I'm not coming from a political stance, but this is a question that I'm asked a lot now specifically because of a lot of what's going on politically and because of what happened in COVID where there is a greater gap between the wealthy and the poor. You know, Amazon is employed, it's the second biggest employer, by the way, we forget about that. Second biggest employer in America, over 700,000 people are employed by Amazon. Can you imagine? Jeff Bezos is doing very well for himself. And he's doing so well that people are saying, hey, this is, this is just wrong. It's wrong. I don't know why, but it's wrong. Somebody to have that much money means he's going to have that much power. And eventually he can, he can do terrible things. And it's wrong. So what does Judaism say about that? First of all, I mean, he is giving, he's doing good things currently. At least he's, he's employing many people. So we can't be upset about that. You know, that's, that's bringing work to many, many people in, the, in, in America. So you've got to be happy about that. But that's, that's another discussion. Don't want to get into politics. Um, but here, here goes what Judaism says. You know, Judaism recognizes that there is a difference between the wealthy and the poor. Period. It says, When there is a poor person amongst you, right? It says, You should surely open your hands to him. Help them. Meaning, Judaism recognizes that there are wealthy people. And there are poor people. That's just something that we know. Like, that's, that's a value. If you look at the Talmud, the stories of Hillel, that even the Talmud says that this will be a, um, a prosecutor against you. If somebody says, when they get to the world to come, they say, listen, I, I wanted to be more Jewish, but I couldn't because I was too poor. They say, uh, there's no one more poor than Hillel, Hazaken, Hillel from the Talmud. He was the poorest of the poor. Why was he so poor? He would uh, have to pay in, in those days in order to study Torah, in order to go to a synagogue, you had to pay some money because of the, the costs of keeping a synagogue costs. And they'd have a guard, very minimal amount of money to pay for the heating, to pay for, the, for whatever's given in the building, a, a minimal, minimal amount. And Hillel would work and he'd give half of that amount to get into the synagogue at the end of the day, he, would it would be, he was a wood chopper, which was one of the cheapest type of works that you can have. And he would make a tiny amount of money called a traffic, a small amount of money. Half of it he would give to the poor. Uh, sorry, half of it he would give to look after his family. And the other half would be to get into the study hall every night. That's how small this money was. It was worth nothing. And he had half for his family, enough to eat a bit of rations. And the rest was for him to study some Torah. And he was still committed. There's a great story about him, but we won't get into it. Then there was another rabbi. And if, the, if somebody says, you know, I couldn't be that Jewish because I was so wealthy. I mean, I was the wealthiest person in the world. So what does the Talmud say? Well, you're not more wealthy than somebody called Rabbi Eliezer ben Kharsom, who had 1,000 cities inherited to him, 1,000 ships inherited to him. And one of his own security guards on his own property grabbed him and said what are you doing on this land he says no please just let me go i need, just need to study some torah he's like and they thought well, who's this rabbi on this land he didn't know that he owned it can you imagine that's how humble he was so rabbi leza ben chasom was a very very wealthy person a thousand ships a thousand cities can you imagine the wealth 
and it was all his. So we see that throughout our history, even in the way that we would have offerings in the times of the temple, there were the ones that were wealthy that were giving and there were the poor. We understood that there is an environment where there's wealthy and poor. There just was. And in history, the disparity was much worse than it is today because it's always known that in poorer countries, the difference between the poor and the wealthy is, is even greater. Uh, we were always like that. Yet, there is a very strong value of giving tzedakah, right? There's a, there's a value of giving money to the poor. You know, if we would say, okay, Jeff Bezos is, is very wealthy and he's, he's too wealthy for his own good, let's steal the money. Take the money from him. If I steal the money from him, then who says I'm going to be more reliable with that money than him? In fact... The chances are I'm going to be less reliable because I acted in a way where I stole from him. He earned his money, but if I take the money from him to give to the, I'm stealing to give the money to the poor. And history has proven that when people act in that way, you can't trust them either. That's why, um, that's why Soviet Union, the socialist movement, didn't work. It's because they forgot that humanity has something called greed. And the people that were in control of the whole thing were greedy and they, they, they put the control, they put themselves first. So, you know, again, I don't want to get into politics, but I want to throw in the Jewish value here in, according to Judaism, there is a concept of wealthy and poor period. That's for sure. But there is a value of charity. We definitely do not believe, and this is why chesed is such an important value that needs to be trained to our children from a young age. It says that the world stands on three things. It stands on Torah, Avodah, and Gminut Chasadim. Torah is the study of wisdom, uh, of, of how the world works, the direction of how to live in this world based on the Torah. Avodah is our connection to God, prayer, and chesed, which is kindness. So the way that we improve the world is through kindness. It has to be a value instilled in our society. You can't enforce it on people. For instance, if I'm a teacher in school, I need to know that there's 30 people in front of me. One of these people, it might be very, very wealthy. I need to know that when I'm a teacher in school, and this is not just for a teacher, but even for the way I speak to everybody, I need to know that if I'm a teacher in school, that there's going to be one kid here that might be a major influencer. I need to know that there's another kid in school. I don't know who the people in front of me are going to be. And what I need to instill within them from a young age is a sense of chesed, kindness. Instill within our education system, kindness. That's not a value that's deeply engraved in our society. And that's the way you'll keep a healthy society living. It, it, you want to steal from the wealthy to make sure that they don't come overpowered? Well, the person that's stealing it is also not trusted. It, it, whoever's got that money is not going to be trusted. The only way to make this system work, and, and it's, it's hard, but it's a reality, it needs to be a value in our system. And you can't enforce values. Values have to be instilled within us from a young age, within us from right from the beginning. And then eventually... Hopefully, these people will grow up to be good people. There are evil people, and they need to be stopped. That's something we do enforce. You know, somebody who's a, a murderer and so on. But outside of that, if somebody chooses to keep their money, you, you can't enforce within them the environment of chesed. They have to want it.
there, there is a concept, and Maimonides brings this, and it's brought down in Halakha, that if there is somebody who's very wealthy and is not helping at all, and we all, the whole community knows that he's not doing anything for the community, so you can miscommunicate him. You can put him in cherem, meaning you can put him in, in, un, in difficult circumstances where you say, okay, no one should speak to him, don't have communication with him because he's not helping the community, and he can but we would never force that person to give us his money, take it out of his pocket directly. That's not a value in our society. We'd make him want it by pushing him in that direction, but never to physically go and take the money out of his account. That's, that's something which is wrong and it's stealing. And who says the person that's stealing is going to be more trustworthy than the person that has it, who earned it?